Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, I have a question. What is the last movie that made you laugh and the last movie that made you cry? Clayton, you okay. go first. I'll go first. Um, the, it's the same movie. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I watched a movie called CODA, C-O-D-A, Children of Deaf Adults. And the premise, the premise is uh, a woman grows up like she's a teenager. She grows up in a home where she is the only hearing person in her home. And her brother and her parents are both deaf, are all deaf. And so uh, she grows up in this home and uh, it's about her life. And she's a great singer. So if you can imagine this, she's in a home where they they don't listen to music, they can't mm-hmm. hear her singing, but she actually has a great voice and a teacher takes an interest in her and helps her develop her voice and so on. But it's about the challenge of being in a, uh, a deaf family where she's the only one who can hear and uh, it's hilarious and it's also uh, deeply heart moving. I bawled at one point where there's a moment between the, the father and the daughter that just was like, oh my gosh, this is what it feels like to be a dad who wants to know what your child's world is like, but you, it's not accessible to you. It's like a beautiful thing, but also it's, it's very funny. Um, I will say this, it's a PG 13 movie. So this is like, not like, Hey, I'm going to quote it in church kind of movie, but, uh, it's in the family, they're, they're fishermen. So they kind of, you know, even in sign language, they cuss like sailors. Um, (laughs) but in context, you can get it. Um, so we can't quote PG 13 movies in church. No, no. Well, maybe I could. I, I just don't do ASL, so I can't quote this movie. But anyway, the uh, the the movie is good, but You're don't go that, into it and think, oh, this is a nice family friendly movie yeah. that Pastor Clayton said I should watch. Um, they're you know, sign, know what you're they're signing a lot of profanity. Oh yeah. So there's subtitles then, obviously. There's subtitles, right? in it. Okay. but it, I, I mean, it's a it's a heartfelt good uh, uh, movie. So yeah. Okay. Good, uh, Eric. Okay, the last movie that made me laugh is simply the last movie I watched because I only watch movies to laugh. I do not watch serious movies like Clayton just referenced. Uh. When I'm watching movies, it's because I want to be entertained and I don't want to think about real life. Uh, so the last movie I watched that made me laugh laugh is Shazam. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, just watched that with my 13-year-old daughter during the holiday break, and there was, some, there was a few funny moments in there. I... Actually looked at the question in advance today, believe it or not. I am partially prepared for this podcast episode, and I can't answer the second question, not out of some sense of machismo, like I don't want to admit that movies make me cry, because they do. I will be watching a movie, and I will tear up. I just genuinely can't remember remember. the last movie I watched that made made me tear up or cry. Well, there you go. All right. Nikki? Um, it was the same same movie made me laugh and cry. I watched I I rewatched uh, Avengers Endgame. Yes. Um, and it's been a while since I've seen it. Like, did so, you cry? So I forgot how the end how it ended. And um, it, you know, there are parts of it that are funny. Ant Man is just like super cheesy. It's always funny. But um, the part at the end with Captain America, um, like I was like, oh my gosh, 
Like, yeah. He did that. No, you know, no, like, there's, legit, there's legit, there's um, legit tug on the heartstring moments in there. And I won't say anymore because, you know, there may be some people who haven't seen it. So, yeah, you don't have to worry about spoiler alerts spoiler for a movie that's been out for how long. Yeah, and, but you never and know, made, right? And made like $14 billion. Yeah, like everybody well, in the world's seen this movie. There's well, a statute of limitations on spoiler alerts. I mean, alerts. that's very true. But it's that, it, okay, so it's that scene. Spoiler alert Darth Vader is Luke's father. <laughs> right. So it's that scene when Captain America goes back to like oh, bring the stones back. Oh, my gosh. You know, like to take him back yeah. to like their normal no, time. Legit. And then he stays and he goes back with to Peggy. be with like the love of his life. Oh, yeah. And then he comes back as an old man. And he's got a wedding ring on his finger and all that stuff. And like. That is a good moment. I it's was a good like, moment. I was it like, is. oh, my gosh, that's amazing that. he Yeah, he got the chance to do it. And he stayed. Look, why not? Yeah. Like, why? Why, yeah. why come back? So <laughs> that made me cry because I was like, that was just so sweet and unexpected. So there you go. There you go. Hey, as we wrap up this week's banter, I just want you to know that the woman in the church that told us that she fast forwards through every podcast episode to get past Pass our banter, banter to just yeah. listen to the Bible conversation reinforced this notion last week. And she saw me walk past. <laughs> I just want you to know, still fast forwarding past oh. that banter. Hey, well, Nikki, did you say which one made you laugh? Uh, that one too, that like Ant Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah Ant Man okay, makes yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah Ant Man makes yeah. me laugh okay. in that Ant-Man movie. Is funny. He's just, he's just super cheesy. All right, so uh, what? Pa- oh wait, no, not before the passage. We have uh, actually a special workshop to tell people about. Yeah. Right? So on February first, that's a Thursday evening, we are having a Bible memory workshop. We've got a guy named Jeremy Kluth who goes to the Streamwood campus, who loves to teach people mm-hmm. how to memorize scripture, and he loves to do it in a fun way. Um, so if you are interested in not just reading God's word, not just thinking about it and applying to your life, which is what we talk about here, but actually internalizing it by memorizing the words of scripture. Uh, This is a great practical, uh, you can come in even if you've never memorized something before and jump into this class. Uh, You can still register for it. It is on uh, the 1st at 7 o'clock at the St. Charles South Elgin campus. Great. All right. Now, can you tell us what passage we're looking at? All right. We are in Hebrews, and we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to start in verse Eight and read to the end. Let me give you a little context here. That's the first step in comma. Hebrews is a book that was written to a group of people who are uh, Jewish believers. So they're from a Jewish background. They've come to faith in Jesus, but they are under some pressure. So they're under pressure from uh, externally because there is persecution and pushback for them following Jesus where they're at. But also internally, they're looking at Jesus and saying, if it's going to cost this much, if it's going to take this much, they're wondering is it worth sticking with Jesus? We were a part of uh, the Jewish community before, and we, we managed with that, but we've taken on Jesus now, and we want to know, is it really worth it? And so the author of Hebrews is trying to say, yes, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the hopes and dreams and the things that came before of Judaism, and so he's worth it. He is uh, the thing you've been looking for, even under pressure. And so uh, this is to encourage them when they're tempted to fold, to hold on to hope in Jesus. Now, we are going to start in verse 18 and read to the end of the chapter. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, 
you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we, if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words, once more, indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. All right, let's talk about the O in comma. That stands for observations. What do you guys see in this passage? Um, the first thing that I noticed was in that first chunk of the, the passage where they're they're talking about I guess that would be considered the mountain of fear, right? Is Mount Sinai when Jesus, when not, not when Jesus, when God has given Moses the Ten Commandments, that group of people is overwhelmed by fear. And then you contrast it with this second chunk of the scripture where it's Mount Zion and that group of people are overwhelmed. It's like an overwhelming sense of joy. So it's like these two contrasts between the two covenants. So it's it's pretty, it's a pretty, but, and, and what I was thinking too is like, wow, that that would have been a very, intimidating, overwhelming thing for people to say like, oh, please stop speaking. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear anymore. I can't handle it. But then when you look at it, even the beauty of like this joyful assembly and all the gathering and that's overwhelming and, and like intimidating in like a completely different way, you know? Yeah. The, the contrast between those two mountains that he's, he's playing with, he wants you to feel mm-hmm. the, the stark difference between those. I was struck by the presentation of the first one. Because, well, if you go back to Exodus and you read the story of Moses going up on Mount Sinai, the details are right, right? Like there's, there's a cloud and fire and all the, the intensity of the, all of that, and the people are afraid. And yet, almost everywhere else in the Old Testament, that moment, that, that time when Israel's at the mountain is presented as an overwhelmingly positive thing. Like there are, there are songs in the Psalms that are just celebrating that God would give the, the law and make a covenant with his people and welcome them in. It's presented like a wedding day, you know, where it's like finally God's, God's people and, and God come together and they're united and, and all of this stuff. And so um, for uh, the author of Hebrews to use this in a, he, he's deliberately calling out the scary parts, right? He's calling out the fearful parts to mm-hmm. make a point. And that was pretty striking given what his audience probably felt about that moment saying like, this was our big time. This was, this is, you know, the the day our, our nation was born and we get, went into a covenant with God. So this is a great thing. And yet he's highlighting all of the the fearful parts. My first observation is that while I was trying to read it clearly for the podcast, I wanted to preach it while I while I was reading it <laughs> while I was reading it slowly and clearly. Man, these words 
But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. And he he goes on, Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word. Like, man, this feels like it needs to crescendo. Yeah, you you can't see Eric, but he's he's like pumping his fist. Like he's, you know, you can't can't sit still when you're actually talking about this. It feels like it's calling out, like cheering or, or, you know, emotion movement from from you because it's powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it makes my brain think Mount Sinai was great, that God spoke to his people, made a covenant with them. That was great. We have something that far surpasses how great that was. The, the contrast that's between those two, especially when we've been reading Hebrews and the author's really trying to say, Jesus is the fulfillment and superior to a whole lot of things that you really value. Um, and he actually makes these contrasts between, hey, you know, we had the sacrificial system that was good for what it was, but it it could not, it was not sufficient for what we need. And so in some ways, it's like the author is trying to call out saying, let me make it as stark as possible. There is something about staying where you were that would leave you in a place of saying, I'm afraid. Like I relate to God in a way that that could make me intimidated and fearful. But where you go here, there's like a release of joy. Although it's really interesting when you, you trace the theme of fear through here the fear comes back in like a di- kind of a different register. You know what I mean? Like at the end, it uh, it talks about us, you know, not having a kingdom that can't be shaken. So that feels like secure. And yet it says, so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Like it's, it's not that the intensity of who God is has changed. He's still this awe-inspiring, uh, you know, consuming fire. And yet we can approach him because of what Jesus has done now. And so there's a joy in being able to do that. It's not like it went from intense to relaxing. It went from intense to accessible, joyful. I don't know how to put that. That sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. There's lots of good Bible apps out there. You may even currently use one. I personally use version to listen to the Bible, but when reading or studying the Bible, I use Olive Tree. Recently, Olive Tree added the Bible Project videos into its library. It's seamless, intuitive, and incredibly helpful. Whatever you're reading in the Bible, in the right pane, there is a list of any Bible Project videos that are applicable to what you are currently reading. Bible apps are helpful, and this has been your comma tip of the week. Then going back to what you were saying, Clayton, with like the the fear language, you start to see... um, He's using words, authors using words to like get people's attention, like do not refuse him who speaks uh, or do not turn away from him who warns us from heaven. Right. So um, I was reading through the um, NIV Bible uh, study Bible uh, notes. And for this chunk of passage here, 25 through 27, um, it says, since we have a greater revelation. We have greater responsibility and therefore greater danger. So it's this idea that like Jesus comes with a way better message and a way better um, covenant, we'll say, than the first one, right? Like he has given us life uh, through him and he's rose from the dead. And so we get a chance to, to do that as well. And if you hear it and you don't respond, well, then you do have something to fear. Like there's that it, the fear comes back in that way as well. It, it's warning you don't, don't, like listen. You know what I mean? Don't don't refuse to listen. Yeah. The, what comes to mind is there. There's a parable that Jesus tells where 
um, in, in the parable, it's like a, a king sending messengers to some people who are taking care of his land. And he sends messenger after messenger and they reject the messengers. But then he says, oh, but they'll listen to my son. And so he sends his son and they reject his son. So that he's trying to make this point here of saying, you had messengers before that you didn't listen to. And now the son has come. And when you reject him, it's actually a greater consequence. So there's, there's something about saying, yeah, the, the people knew what they knew from Moses, but if, if Jesus shows up and you've got the chance to actually see Jesus for who he is, then your decision about Jesus is, is even weightier because it's the full final, like, this is the guy. He has actually showed up, and your rejection of that is pretty definitive. My next observation is about the book of Hebrews overall, but, spe- but also specific to this passage. Because the writer of Hebrews— and it's called Hebrews because it's obviously written to a Jewish audience. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called the letter to the Hebrews. Um, There are a ton of Old Testament quotations and references. I mean, throughout the entire letter. And so if you look, if you're using an NIV study Bible and you're looking at how many Old Testament references are in the little cross link column in the center of your study Bible, you're going to notice a lot. And my brain when I'm reading wants to remember what is it referring to. So here's just a few examples. The sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Well, what word did the blood of Abel speak? And if I can't remember the story or what that's referring to, then I'm going to look at the cross-reference link and I'm going to go read about Cain and Abel and what in the world that's referring to. Or uh, another one would be, at that time, his voice shook the earth but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Well, when did his voice shake the earth? What is that referring to? And so once again, you use the cross-reference link, you go back, uh, because these references make sense. And, and this is why, this is like a second comma tip of the week. This is why hurried Bible study is no good. If, if your Bible reading is just five minutes, check it off so I feel like a good Christian, then you don't have the time to enjoy it to, what are they referring to? Okay, I'm going to look at that cross-reference link. I'm going to go remind myself, oh, yeah. And then you start enjoying it and understanding it more. I, I noticed just a, a simple observation, the repeated word of shaking. You you kind of mentioned that there in that that uh, second to last paragraph there. The the imagery of shaking is very vivid. Like you can, you can imagine, you know, what it feels like to be in something that's shaking, like an earthquake or that kind of thing. And I think a lot of us feel that way about our life, right? There's the sense that there are some things that are shakable, that that like things can be, you know, they're not permanent, they, they're fragile in some ways. And it's elevating that image to say there are some things that are ultimately shakable, some things that you actually might think are really secure that God in the end will shake and they will crumble. And some of those things will not last and they will not help you in the end. And so it's kind of taking that image of like, what would I hold on to if there really was an earthquake already? Right? Where, where would be the secure place? And saying, you better make sure that when the real earthquake comes, when Jesus comes back and the world is shaken, that you're standing on something solid. And, and I just think that's a, a vivid image and it was striking to me. All right, let's go to one of the M's in comma. Let's start with message today. How would you take something that you saw in this passage and sum up a principle for that that you can apply to your life? My message is God is speaking. Am I listening? My message is from the warning that starts in verse 25 and through the end of the chapter, but I will say it like this. If I don't accept what Jesus offers, 
I don't have what Jesus offers. Mine is from that image of Mount Zion, and I say this, we are citizens of a city larger and more glorious than you could ever imagine. All right, let's go to the other M in comma, which is meditation. This is where we prayerfully ponder a part of the scripture for about 45 seconds here on the podcast. We're going to look at verse 28 that says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably and with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Okay, let's go into the A in comma, which is application. What are you going to do in response to all of this? So my message is God is speaking. Am I listening? Um, my my application, the way that I thought about this was um, pay attention to the things that I hear or I read. So when I am uh, reading God's word, if I'm uh, reading it privately, if I'm reading it out loud, if I'm reading it in a group setting, if I'm listening to our podcast or other podcasts about the Bible, if I'm in a church service listening to one of you teach, if I am singing the songs that we sing on the weekend, like all of those things are truths about God and they're teaching us something and he's revealing us to uh, himself to us through those things. And so when I do that, I, I try to pay attention to the things that are hard for me in that moment, like I'm hearing something or I'm reading something and for some reason it's hard. It's hard for me to grasp or um, maybe I'm pushing against it for whatever reason. And I try to, to pray and to, to discern why it's hard for me to hear. And that, that is usually a place where I, I need God's help in some way, shape or form to, to help me be obedient to what is being said. Help me to understand more uh, about what's being said to, to me. My message is if you don't accept or if I don't accept or if we don't accept what Jesus offers, then we don't have what Jesus offers. And so reading verse 28 again, which we just meditated on, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Jesus has inaugurated a kingdom. One day he will usher in that kingdom, and that kingdom comes with amazing benefits. But I only experience those benefits if I receive his kingdom. And so the the application here is for me to ask myself, for some of us, it would be in totality. Like, how have, have I really responded to Jesus? Have I really acknowledged him as the Lord, the King, the Savior, who has a kingdom? And I can be a citizen in that kingdom. That would be like the comprehensive big picture question. But then once you're in the kingdom, there is the other question, which is, what am I leaving on the table? What what benefits of the kingdom am I not receiving for one reason or another? Whether I am ignorant of them or don't know they're mine or 
I'm believing a lie that they're not mine. Or so th- my, my application question is, is there, is there things about being a citizen of the kingdom of God that I'm not experiencing in my life? What am I leaving on the table? So my message was, we're citizens of a city that's larger and more glorious than you could ever imagine. And it's from from that part that Eric was like, if you feel like you just want to preach it, you just want to, you know, just the, the, the church of the firstborn, the thousands and thousands of angels and joyful assembly, those whose names are written in heaven, all of this stuff. It's just this beautiful, glorious picture of saying, this is what you're actually a part of. And so there's, there's kind of layers of things that come to mind in terms of response. One is this just rules out the like, it's just me and Jesus kind of thing. Like, obviously, I have a personal connection with Jesus. I spend time just me and him. But I'm part of something so much bigger. And, and what's described here is not, hey, guess what? Now you get to come to this quiet retreat with Jesus alone. It's like, no, you get to come with this city that's full of angels and full of people and full of just, you know, whoever from wherever. And it, we're gathered around this mountain for this like festival and worship and all of this stuff. Like there's something big and massive to be a part of that to say, it's just me and kind of my private thing with God. It's just, it's just, that actually feels kind of insufficient uh, compared to what's being offered. So there's there's that. The, the next layer, though, is when you're actually participating in something that you say, well, it's not just me and Jesus. I go to this church, right? And uh, we're, we're part of a big church, so you can kind of get that big feel. But, you know, some of our campuses are smaller or, you, or someone you might be listening and you are a part of or have been a part of a church that just, it's just like, hey, it's just me and, you know, a few dozen people or a few hundred people. And you say, is it really that big and grand. And you can start to feel like the ordinary isn't sufficient, but there's something that the author of Hebrews is doing that's saying, imagine something more. Every time you step into your church service, every time you gather with your small group, every time you're part of something that may feel ordinary in a living room, you're actually joining in with Mount Zion, right? You're joining in with this huge assembly of people that have come before Jesus, and that's where we're headed. And then I I get the next layer, which is what happens when you feel like culturally speaking, you're on the outs. So I'm thinking about these, these folks that, that are, are reading this originally, and they're on the outs thinking, we've chosen a way of life that the people around us do not appreciate and in fact are pretty hostile to. How do we know that what we're doing is worth it? There's something really powerful about saying, when you are going against the grain of your society and the pressure you feel around you, remember what you're actually a part of. You're a part of a kingdom that is bigger and more exciting and more glorious than anything the world has to offer, even when it doesn't look like it right now. And so that, that it, that's a little bit more message, but it's also application. The mindset you have when you're doing these things that feel ordinary or countercultural, you're actually part of something huge. Uh, that's a lot of good stuff. All right, friends, thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you are not following along, check out BibleSavvy.com to download the plan and to start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.